You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona, and welcome to Rosie on the House. Eight o'clock hour. Our outdoor living hour, we have Jay Harper in talking anything you want to as it relates to gardening, lawns, landscape, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you to join the conversation. You can text questions to 411-923. Or if you need a little help with plant insect identification, you can send a picture to info at rosieonthehouse.com. And for anybody that wasn't uh, or just joining us and missed our 7 o'clock hour. We spent time talking about our staycation and really covered a lot of Arizona. And one idea that we covered in that hour that I just sitting here during the break kind of thought, you know, we're, we're missing a resource right, right in front of us. When a staycation winner picks up their vehicle, there's usually a gift basket there. And just this month, we found this place called the Peanut Patch in Yuma, where our staycation travelers mm-hmm. are going. And the Peanut Patch put together another little gift basket for the winner once they get to their hotel room. Next week, or next month, our winner goes to Tubac. Then we've got Wickenburg, and then we've got Nogales and Douglas. And Jay, traveling around to all these farms, delivering your farm's choice fertilizer, mm-hmm. we... We've got to give you our destination of all of our staycations. And as you find little treasures of, of yeah. farming direct to yeah. market farmers, get us connected with those. You know, when we go down to Douglas, what what are all the hidden secrets around the Wilcox and Kansas settlement farming area that we can have all these little snack and gift goodie bags ready for our staycation oh, winners? I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, you were talking to uh, the gentleman from the Sarita Green Valley uh, business expo going on and you can't miss going across the street over there to the green valley pecan store and getting got- a whole bunch of pecan goodies from from those folks they've got quite a store there i get their email newsletter because I, I love pecans and uh anything with nuts we we use a lot of nuts I've always wanted to attend that festival. It just never worked out on our wow, schedule. I, I, you got to attend. We were there this, la- year. this last year. You got to go next year. Got to make it a point. It's it blew my mind. I mean, I I I didn't know what to expect. I thought it'd be a nice little deal. It's it's pretty <laughs> amazing for so. a one day deal. The amount of stuff that they go through to set up and is there from a ten k run to live band performances it's just and the food choices were mind-blowing so yeah it, it's uh they do a great job at green valley pecans all right well i'll add that to jennifer but yeah to do. let's I, I, get jay a list of staycation destinations tell me where you're every going. little yeah. farm <laughs> direct yeah. to market uh treasure that we have here we we're going to connect that all together and have a, a nice additional package waiting for you once you get to your destination and enjoy some of the uh Great produce items that are, you know, right here local to Arizona. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you're going to going towards Yuma, you could even swing by off Jackrabbit Road and go to Hickman's little store and get some some uh, hard-cooked eggs or hard-boiled eggs to take with you on a trip and a little two-pack with, you know. You know, and, and I even forgot about that. Uh, they do have a little storefront. Yeah. The first time I stopped there, it, it didn't exist. How 
Has, is that a newer feature? It's relatively new. Been there as long as I've been there, but I, I'm not exactly sure. But it's relatively new at their offices on Jackrabbit Road there in Buckeye. Yeah, fun little place. Now you also knew that Bing Crosby was a golf course. Designer. Well, in fact, <laughs> one of the one of the well, should, should I have known I did, that? Is that I, like a? I didn't know how much of a designer he was, but uh, Bing Crosby, the the PGA Tour used to have a Bing Crosby Open, oh. which was in the L.A. area. So yeah, he's he was he and Bob Hope were pretty well known for their golf exploits, as well as uh, I think Bing Crosby also was instrumental in starting the Del Mar horse race uh, the track at del mar hmm. so well the reason i brought that back up is how do we get that i mean this is the time of year to have the pretty green lawn you know, there's just something in that rye green hue that you get you don't well, get out of bermuda i tell people it's real grass <laughs> bermuda <laughs> bermuda is great because it'll tolerate our heat and the extremes and the salty conditions and it's in and it can be pretty but ryegrass you know, when you mow it, it leaves the lines and the stripes, and you can, you know, you can play with how it lays if you got a roller bar on your mower. And it, you know, it looks like whatever the rest of the country really grows, whether it's rye, rye grasses, or bluegrasses, or fescues, or whatever. It looks like grass. We didn't get one planted. I think this is the first year I, I haven't got one in in about the last eight. But that was one thing I always did with the kids. I would always cut it different with the line pattern yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to have some fun with it. You can, you know, you do all kinds of crazy stuff. But it, it, it just has, you know, because of the type of grass it is, it gives it that, that different look than Bermuda is going to give you. It's softer, wetter, spongier. But, and with the rain that we've had, you know, just picking up the free nutrients out of the rain, most ryegrass lawns that I've seen around town look pretty good. We haven't had that much cold weather. A little bit of frost a week or so ago. But uh, in general, ryegrasses are, are looking pretty good. You probably can turn the water off. We had our sprinklers <laughs> I, going on our intro there. So I was listening to those sprinklers going, I thought, well, hopefully everybody's got off, their... Shut that off. <laughs> there was a little brown patch on the corner there needed. Okay. <laughs> Well, if it's brown right now, it probably isn't because it didn't get enough water. That's probably doggies. something else happened. Very good point. But uh, uh, you know, fertilizing it regularly, people sometimes neglect feeding their winter lawns. We think about it more with our summer lawns, but they need they need nutrients. Uh, you know, every thirty to forty five days, just like a, a summer lawn does. So keep them well fed, uh, and uh, you will have a, just a gorgeous. Um, you know, cool season grass. My argument has always been, and I know we've talked about this before, and it's it kind of goes over like a lead balloon with people, but <laughs> we ought to have our lawn. This is when we ought to have a lawn and not do a summer lawn. You know, and, you know, it's kind of like they do in, in the Midwest or upper plain states when it's colder than crud outside. They don't care about a winter lawn. They have a beautiful lawn all summer. Well, we're just the opposite. Our weather's great in the winter. That's when you're out wanting to play and have fun and entertain and, you know, go out tonight and look, or tomorrow night and look at the lunar eclipse and the full moon and all that stuff. You're going to be out on your lawn this time of year, not in the summer. So pay more attention and spend some money on it. And, you know, in the summertime, you know, I kind of run out to the barbecue, cook stuff, and run back in the house, right? <laughs> or run to the pool, jump in sit in the pool and then run back inside. I don't really care 
you know, I have a lawn out of necessity because I have dogs in the backyard. But uh, the, the, what I really want to look good is my winter ryegrass lawn. So keep and, it well fertilized. And you've uh, since eliminated half your lawn. Eliminated the front. We're in the right in the middle of actually now re-landscaping and planting all the reinstalling plants. I took, tore out everything, Romy. Tore out the, the lawn, the driveway, the sidewalk. Went with Belgard pavers, a new new paver driveway, artificial turf grass in the front, and now we're installing all new landscaping. You know, after thirty some years, everybody, you know, I mean, you guys are in the in the interior redesign business, and what do people do after twenty or thirty years? They redo, they tear the cabinets out, they put new flooring in, they, you know, well, same thing really applies for the landscape. You know, we landscaped a whole lot differently back then. The plants have been you know, they've done their thing, and it's a whole lot cheaper to do redo plants than it is to redo a kitchen or a bath. <laughs> so why monkey around with trying to keep that, you know, just, man, we started tearing out, and, and Trina's going, yeah, that needs to go. And I was keeping this. I was going, I really like that point. No, nope, got to go. We ended up. Everything gone. Everything was gone, um, which then exposes your house. You know, you got plants covering your house, and it's like, oh, the house needs painted. So that's happening next month. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing leads to another, but uh, anyway, um, you yeah, like art- the artificial, artificial turf. turf? Yeah, that that also gave me the opportunity because when I landscaped in the '80s, we had all bubblers and shrub sprays. So I've converted all the landscape to drip now, so I'll be much more water efficient. Uh, I replaced my old 35-year-old Irritrol <laughs> irrigation timer with a new uh, Hardy rain dial. So I can, you know, even be more efficient uh, with my irrigation scheduling. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm up to date. And that rain dial, it's uh, explain how that works. That well, it gives you, um, and and there are more sophisticated clocks uh, timers than it even out now. But for instance, my old Irritrol had an A and a B. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you had to water every. You could you could schedule it under A or B, but everything had to be by the day of the week. So the, the, the least frequent you could run something would be once a week. Now you can go, you know, every 14 days, or you can go on, you know, every two or three days. And, you know, it's just, and, and it gives you an A, a B, and a C. So I have pots on one now and, you know, drip on one now and, lawn on one now so I can really be uh, discriminating as to how how I water so I can get by with watering like once every like this time of year what I had to do with my old clock is just turn it off on the on the on the trees and shrubs and then have to remember to do it manually when it needed it because it didn't need it once a week so uh, this gives you a lot more flexibility to be con- uh, conserving on the water now Two years ago, you and Rosie got into a contest on who could save more water, and the goal was to reduce 10% then uh, on your annual use. Going to this now, you know, you're probably getting another 4 or 5%. I'm hoping of- to cut a third, you know, from where I was oh. at one point because of no lawn in the front and going to drip and going to new, ir- new uh, irrigation controller. I, I think I can be down 30% from where I was. And, and of course, no, if it keeps raining, I can be down way down. <laughs> <clears throat> I haven't watered in weeks and weeks and weeks, so. Four. 
straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. And that's when my caddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. Yep, Bing Crosby loved golf so much, he recorded a song called Straight Down the Middle. Who knew? Gary D. did. When you have a dad who loves big band music, it just pops up. (laughs) We were talking about water savings and y'all's effort to cut down and reduce and get down from a third from where you were. And the where I was trying to get to that is there's no one thing that's going to solve all the problems, but all these little things that we do, we can do incrementally and add up, start to make the difference. And, you know, it's really this time of year when we can save the most, believe it or not, because this is when people overwater their landscaping. They either just don't change their schedule from what they were doing in the summer. You know, you'd be surprised how many people don't even know where their irrigation controller is let alone know how to open it. And once they got it open, know how to <laughs> what even to do work with it. it. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people don't know where their, you know, vacuum breaker is, where they can shut their irrigation off if they have a leak or a problem. And so, yeah, just just turning things off when it rains for a week or two. All those little things, um, you know, fixing a leaky faucet, if you got a toilet that's continuing to run, um, there's there's a million things um, that that we can do, and they all add up. Um, <clears throat> but trying to tell somebody how to save water in the middle of July <laughs> on their landscape is, is pretty darn hard because you probably couldn't give it enough water to keep it looking the way you want to look at it. Right now, though, it's just you almost don't need to water at all in certain some winters like this winter so far. <clears throat> Other than a little bit of lawn watering here and there, probably haven't had to water a darn thing. So take advantage of that. I, as I mentioned, I didn't get our uh, winter lawn in, and the only thing else we have to water are trees. I, I haven't turned on a single control valve for the trees. Oh, absolutely. And right. I, at least three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, also planting this time of year, so planting in the fall and early winter, when it doesn't take as much water to water the plants in and keep them getting them established as you do as you get into spring. And even even when it's beautiful weather, 75, 80 degrees, you're having to water a lot to get that plant established. I've never figured out why people don't want to plant more right after the holidays. or January is probably the slowest month in the nursery business of the year, even slower than the heat dead of summer. There's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, holidays, people have spent all their money, you know, <laughs> But uh, what a great way to get out and work off some of that pumpkin pie and too much food we've eaten for two months. And it's 60 degrees. I'd rather dig holes at 60 or 65 Mm -hmm. degrees than at 85 or 90 degrees. It takes a lot less water to get it established. It gets established before the extreme heat of the summer. All of those are great reasons to do it. There's so many cool plants, and I'm I'm segueing in here to roses, which – we were, we were going to talk about, but uh, all the new bare root fruit trees and or dormant fruit tree varieties and shade tree varieties. And then roses are, you know, nurseries are just full of all these brand new roses and rose varieties. And it's a fun time of year to go in the nursery. Plus, they're not busy, so you get great service uh, when you go in this time of year, too. 
I've got a red push pistache I want to get in the ground this weekend. It's been sitting on the side of the house. Oh, I don't know. It's been there a while. In, in a container pot and just water it by hand. But on the west side of our arena, I've got three of them there right now, and I want to put another six. So in the summertime, we've got this nice shade grove mm-hmm. that you can tie the horses up underneath uh, and get shade at the, when you're riding in the summer weather. You know, you still got to keep your horses exercised and yep. in health. But it also, they're deciduous, so they drop all their leaves, and you've got sun in the wintertime. Man, what a cool tree. Just yeah, the it's, the. It's kind of taking the valley by storm, you know. It's uh, it's just a it's tough. It doesn't need a lot of water. Um, it's it's kind of the kind of the perfect tree. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's uh, we haven't found much wrong with it yet. So, um, and gives, you, gives you a little fall color, makes it feel like fall. Yeah. They call it the red push because all the new growth is red, and then the interior of the tree, the older growth, is green. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really just a, a very neat, very handsome plant. Um, maybe a little slower growing than most people would like, but it's not that bad. It, and in fact, a lot of times the trees that grow a little bit slower are better, stronger trees than the real fast growing things like mesquites and palo verdes that end up breaking and falling over anyway. And if but, you're trying to shape it for a function, that can be a little easier. Right. The mulberry that we have, you know, I, I have to whack that thing just to keep it. From getting too out of <laughs> turn around and it's twice as big as it was a week ago, yeah. So that that's that. It's a great tree, great time to plant them. Uh, and and as we mentioned, the rose deal, all the new varieties that come out every year, plus the old, uh, but the the stock of those. And this is just a great time to get them in the ground. And we'll cover that. We've got the Mesa East Valley Rose Society event coming up, big annual event. The Mesa Community College has over ten thousand roses on campus that they. Uh, the society. Yeah, if you think you can't grow roses here, just drive over to Mesa Community <laughs> College. Or if you live in the West Valley, just drive out by Litchfield or Luke Air Force Base and drive around. And that's where a big percentage of the roses that are sold in nurseries are grown right here in the valley. And with the 303 and the Northern uh, Avenue Parkway, you can get that elevation and see those lots. And yeah, you really get very up. pretty at certain times of the year. Yeah. If you've got a landscape or garden question, you can join the conversation at one 767 4348 I beg your pardon I never promised you a rose garden Along with the sunshine There's gotta be a little rain sometime Hey, we had some rain. And we have roses. How do we put the two together, Mr. Harper? Do you know who this is singing this? Give me a second. Linda. Uh, Linda. It's close. Rodstead. No? That's Hang not on. my girlfriend. Hang on. Hang on. It's not Linda. It's Lynn. 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 She actually has a rose named after her, this lady. Uh, hell, all right. For the sake of the listening You'll experience. You'll never get it. You'll never get it. Hey, Lynn I, Anderson. Yes. Man, I'd listen to the old country music. Yeah, that's an oldie, too. You can tell I'm a little off, you know, with kids. That kind of changes. I, I never used to listen to anything that was newer than George Strait's first album. And uh, Well, this would be older than that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I mean, back to, I mean, that was as new as I would go. Oh, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, oh, Conway Twitty. Uh, old, old Waylon Jennings back from the 50s. 
Lynn Anderson, Tammy Winnett. There yeah. you go. Yep. Rose Gardens. But it's more like Dirk Bentley now with the kids. and yeah, I, I, I don't even – Pratt, John Pratt. John Who? I don't even know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> John Pratt? <laughs> At Sanderson Our Ford, prior? he's got a hit record? <laughs> no. So anyway. John Prine's an old guy. Now you're going back to the old. John Prine, yeah. yeah it's an oldie. So he was just here not too long ago. There's there's some new John guy out of California that they all like. So anyway, <laughs> you got me on that one. Rose Garden, probably nice. some handsome dude that needs to shave. <laughs> right. You know, they all... <laughs> um, yeah. So coming up, I mean, this is the time to be planting roses in your garden, trimming roses, pruning roses, planting roses, taking care of roses, and uh, the uh, Mesa East Valley Rose Society has a. A rose auction is a fundraiser for their club every year. This year it's the 2nd of February, so in a couple of weeks on a Saturday, and it's at Mesa Community College. So they have all those roses in the rose garden out there, and uh, they have their auction there. It's at the uh, the student center. If you if you pull into Mesa Community College off of Southern, and you kind of the first thing you see is a big clock tower. That's, that's where the room is. It, just look for that clock tower. Doors open at noon. The auction starts at 1 p.m. They have over 100 roses. And I know Tyler Francis um, from Francis Roses, which is right out here in the West Valley. They grow a ton of roses for the market. They've donated a bunch of roses, a bunch of new ones, and they've got some goodies. Oldies, talk about old music. they got some oldies but goodies like Double Delight and uh, some different varieties that are just tried and true there. Uh, It's a fun thing to do. There's lots of... uh, There'll be lots of experts there, what we call consulting rosarians, people that have, in a nutshell, been doing this a long time. If you've got questions about roses, you can get those answered. Uh, I'm going to be there, you know, for from maybe 11 to 1 or 2 uh, with some of our Hickman's Farms Choice Fertilizer products. If you've got any questions about those, want to get a sample of some of those, uh, come by. But uh, And anybody that comes to the auction and mentions Rosie on the house will get $10 off their purchase at checkout. Hmm. Very nice. So they've offered that as an incentive to, to come on out. Mesa Community College, couple weeks, February 2nd. Uh, doors open at noon, auctions at 1. I guess it goes till they're done, till they're gone. <laughs> till so, they're gone. Yeah. And if you have existing roses, now's a critical time for pruning i believe the next two or three weeks yeah but by the middle of february you probably want to be completed um, but you got to you got to prune roses back they bloom on new growth so we want to get rid of old stuff we want to get rid of maybe they've gotten too choked up they're too thick they've got some old canes we want to keep some new canes regenerating so if you're not sure how to do that a lot of our local nurseries have rose pruning clinics they'll have these consulting rosarians from the various rose organizations come out and, and conduct a clinic you could also take a picture now with modern technology take your iphone take a picture of your roses take them to this event go find one of these consulting rosarians and they could very easily point out yeah i'd take that cane out that cane out i'd leave that one i'd cut it back this far um and and there's nothing uh short of just really diving in and doing it to to kind of help you with it but people get a little um they get a little afraid to start pruning, and you really aren't going to screw them up if you uh, if you prune them pretty hard. But uh, 
And my grandmother, Baby Kay, has kept roses for years on the north side of their house. And when you say you can't screw up, I mean, chop off to the ground. Summertime, come back, we get together for the 4th of July, have this beautiful, huge shrub. Yeah. Yeah, people will gasp sometimes when I tell you, no, cut it, yeah, keep yep, keep going, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. more, more, more. Yeah, so, yep, they, they grow fast, and you get all that new growth, which means you get all these new terminal buds and ends and flowers, and uh, and it controls the size, because if you don't do it, you're going to end up with this 10-foot monster full of thorns that's not going to be a lot of fun to prune next year. So, um uh, I'm sure they'll have all kinds of goodies there besides roses. They usually have fertilizers and gloves and pruners and uh, and all kinds of cool stuff. So, And we've posted that <clears throat> at rosieonthehouse.com in our events. It, it, it took me a second to find it because you got to read the whole thing. Just look for Rose Auction. I should put the abbreviation. It's right. the Mesa East Valley Rose Society at the end, so you see Rose Auction first. But we've got all the details there. <clears throat> Along with the website location, that's February second. Uh, that's a Saturday. I'm, uh, our broadcast is over at eleven. This starts at. Uh, I may have to go grab. You could be it there. You could get to, there. Let's add roses to our landscape. Let's go to the phones now. We've got a few callers that are in line to talk to Jay at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. And Georgia, you were actually uh, called. Uh, you must have been stealing my mind. I was going to br- go right to citrus next and. You're, you beat me to it. Well, good morning. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Fantastic. I, I want to say uh, God bless our, our buddy Rosie, and uh, may he continue to heal pr- properly. But uh, I wanted to ask you a question. I'm thinking about planting a navel orange tree. Okay. And I've seen one advertised, and it was a Washington navel orange tree. And my question is, do Washington navel trees grow in Arizona? Washington navel is the kind of old, original navel variety um, that was planted in California, you know, in the 1940s, 30s, 40s, uh, and continues to be planted. It's, it's the commercial navel orange. Um, it's, a, it's a very fine uh, navel. The, the, the only issue we have with navels here in general is if you only have one citrus tree in your yard and you have gravel, desert-type landscaping, they are they, they prefer California weather. They prefer cooler summers, a little more humidity, and they sometimes will have an issue setting fruit and the fruit staying on when we get those really hot, drying winds in May, um, which can knock a lot of fruit. So they, they have been kind of notorious as inconsistent or... Uh, light producers, or sometimes the fruit doesn't have as much uh, uh, moisture content. However, if you've got multiple citrus trees and you can kind of nestle it in the middle of the row or maybe uh, in, the, in on a side yard where it's a little gets a little more protected from hot, dry, late spring, early summer winds, they they do very well here. People with flood irrigation, with grass yards, those types of situations you're going to be fine. I just caution people, if, you're, if you've got room for one citrus tree, I don't think a Washington navel would be my choice. We appreciate the question, George, and the call. Uh, good luck with those citrus. I 
Uh, you can't go wrong with any type of orange, so. <laughs> no, not really. You know, and there's another one. Uh, if you want something very similar, but it's very reliable, it does have a few seeds in it. Doesn't quite peel as easy as a navel, but I like Trovitas mm-hmm. very well. Um, good quality fruit, good heavy producer, nice size fruit. But uh, I'm not really trying to talk him out of planting a, a Washington navel, but just make sure it's maybe situated in the right location. Let's go to Doug who wants to talk about his mulberry tree. Oh, you know what? I got to do that one. Come on. Don, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Thank you. I have a simple question. I have an ancient mulberry tree, and I noticed that I had some boring critters that were making the tree bleed last year, and I, I put the chemicals in to try to kill them. Mm-hmm. But I noticed last week that the bark was starting to peel off and uh, mm-hmm. on one side, and I've got about a four-foot-long swatch of bark missing. Okay. And I don't know if that tree is on its last leg because the thing has got to be 30 years old. <clears throat> well, typically what's happened with mulberries over the years is people over-prune them, um, <clears throat> expose the, the trunks or the major limbs to too much sun. We get sunburn. And then we get borers, and then we get sooty canker or other infections that take place under that loosening or peeling off bark, and it just kind of spirals into this <clears throat> decline and, and death. So if, if you've gotten ahead of it and you've just got one spot, um, number one, I, w- I would be very careful as to how much I pruned the mulberry. Uh, number two, I'd get some of the Go Natural, the, the natural colored tree paint, and I'd get that peeled off spot and maybe even the whole trunk up to the first main branches painted so that you don't get any more uh, sunburn. Uh, as far as the boring insects, if they're in the main trunk of the tree, about the only thing you can do would be to try and treat them chemically. Um, keep the tree well fertilized. Uh, regularly fertilized and watered, and, and and hopefully it will it will go a good long time yet. But over pruning, uh, people just they just pollard those trees. They cut them way back. Uh, for some reason, in the '60s and '70s, that was the accepted way to do it. It's probably shortened the life of most mulberries. And of course, you can't plant a male mulberry in Maricopa County anymore. Anyway, so you don't see very many of them around. And that's not the only county with restrictions on mulberry. Pima County was actually the first to do that. This, this, we're going way back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any cities left in Maricopa County. It's not a county thing. It actually was a city thing. But, uh, yeah, you got to go outside the, uh, outside the county to find one if you – I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. There are places that still sell them. And they are hardy trees. Uh, you'd mentioned that cutting style. I'd, I'd never liked that anyway. Why would you? I think people did it to control the size of the tree. As you mentioned, they grow fast and they get big. So they just, you know, in the wintertime when they started losing their leaves or sometimes even before, unfortunately, people just cut them back to the main scaffold limbs and lopped them off. And you just ended up with this really pretty round-headed kind of a tree. Um, but uh, what happened is we... We exposed so much of the trunk so early in the season that they they still then they sunburned badly and once that once you start losing that protective tissue, 
uh, off of those trees. A lot of bad things happen. And then the secondary and the sooty canker gets in there and you got all kinds of issues. All right, real quick question before we get to our calls. We've got Tom and Miranda wants to talk about roses. Bob in Tucson is mesquite tree, and uh, Bonita in Chandler wants to talk about planter. Uh, we have Robin Phoenix, Bougainvillea, Texas Yellowbell, both hit from the frost. Well, let's just talk about frost pruning in general. Um, don't prune yet. <laughs> but bottom line is I don't think we had, unless you had very, very new plants, that we had cold enough, long enough weather to really do any severe damage to anything. A lot of what you're seeing is superficial. It's just the foliage that got burned. You may get a few small branches, but the best thing to do is to wait till the plant starts to put on new growth. That'll do two things. It'll tell you, okay, the plant thinks it's it's warm enough in time. The other thing is it'll tell you how much you really need to prune back. Um, so uh, at least the middle of February, so at least probably another month before you should do any pruning on frost damage plant material. The, the stuff that's there now will help insulate and protect if we get more freezing, which we got another 30 days to go before that, is, it, is out of the question. Um, depending on when you're, where you live, longer than that even. So hands off, just don't do anything. Um, if it really bugs you, you know, just use a blower and blow some of the leaves around and blow them off and rake up and clean up. But leave all the all the dead tissue on there. Do not prune. Step away. Back away from the pruners. <clears throat> Go plant some new plants. Plant some rose bushes. Do something else. <laughs> plant something new or get a paintbrush and tackle a project around your house. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of those. Let's get to our calls. Uh, Tom and Miranda wants to talk about roses. Welcome to the program, Tom. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you mentioned earlier that if you don't prune, you're going to end up with a 10-foot monster rose bush, which is exactly what I want to do. Okay. But it does need some pruning. So where do I start there? Well, tell me what you're trying to, why you want it that big and what you're trying to do. Um, it's, there are two climbing roses, and they're growing up a west wall on a okay. trellis. So you're talking about climbers, not rose bushes, which is a whole nother, whole nother animal. Um, and we do not prune climbers the same way as we do shrubs. So I'm glad you brought that up because I wouldn't want somebody trim, trimming their climber way down and having to start all over. So with climbers, you you can do a lot with just kind of shaping it the way you want it to grow. If it's trying to fill a form out or over an arbor or, you know, spread out on a trellis, um, you could just kind of go in and, you know, and tip them back a little bit and kind of shape them and, clean them up a little bit, and leave the main frame structure about the size that you want it to be. And that is a pretty look when you can get it on a trellis, especially if you've got a west or south-facing side. Use it to shade your home, give you a little uh, sun barrier in the summertime to cut down that heat, give you a nice warm sun in the winter when right. we prune it back like that. Yep. And, and uh, yeah, so you, uh, good call. Don't want to prune climbing roses anywhere like the same way we do regular rose bushes. 
Bob, uh, a little farther south in Tucson, wants to talk about a mesquite tree. Welcome to the program, Bob. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've heard various opinions on this, but uh, I have about at least a dozen mesquite trees on my property, and uh, some of them, uh, not all of them, but some of them leave dead growth in the in the under under the active part of the canopy. And I was just curious whether it, it should be just left there or whether that should be pruned away. Well, there's probably no reason to leave it necessarily. And if it bothers you cosmetically, I would probably clean it out as needed. Um, I, I don't know that there's really a right or wrong on that other than that it would, if it was in my landscape, I wouldn't want a lot of dead twiggy looking stuff in my trees. I would probably, as needed, just kind of clean them out. I, I'd be careful over pruning mesquites. Be careful pruning them up too high up off the ground. Um, you know, mesquites and Palo Verdes are really just kind of big bushes. They want to be low to the ground, big bushy things. And, and we start trying to make them into a standard looking tree with a single trunk with six or eight foot of head clearance underneath them. And, you know, they get top heavy and weird things happen. So leave them as natural as you can, but trimming out any dead growth shouldn't be detrimental to the tree at all, and it, it would improve the looks. Let's see if we can squeeze Bonita into the as our final caller this Saturday morning. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Okay, so I have a oak tree in my front yard, and of course around the roots around the trunk, it's a little bit bare. So I was going to plant a or build a planter box around it because, you know, I can do anything because uh, I saw it on YouTube. But I, I saw an article. I saw an article that you should not plant planter or place planter boxes around trees because it can hurt the roots. So I figured I would call and get your expert advice. Yeah, you, you really got to be careful putting any new soil level or raising the soil level up on the trunk of an existing plant or tree. Just like when we plant a tree, we don't want to plant it any deeper uh, than it has been grown in the container that it's in. So, yeah, no, it's a bad idea. Sorry. Um, one thing you can do is you can kind of make a double planter. So you could go out a couple feet away from the trunk and put a, you know, how are we going to make it out of brick or block or whatever, and then go out from that so that there's a, you know, there's a space of, uh, around the trunk of the tree that's not getting touched uh, by soil. Um, that's one way to do it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, sorry, shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, now you know. That's right. Good thing she asked first. <clears throat> and if you're starting a new one, you could put some Farmer's Choice in there for your bed. Great compost. You can w- put it in with new plantings, prepping new beds, new rose bushes that are being planted. Farm's Choice Fertilizer is awesome for that. <laughs>